Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1 says this. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. This is in the New Living Translation that we're reading this out of. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Now, if any of you are planning on having any more kids, I know Nathan and Catherine might think about some more, maybe. We've got some names up here that you can look at today. Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Now listen, Ram Habenstreich. Ram. So there you go. All right. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. All right. Now, you're saying, Pastor, what are we doing? Hey, I'm reading my text. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of of King David. Now, I pulled those scriptures out today because of two things. Number one, Boaz's mother was Rahab. Rahab was not a Jew. Rahab was the harlot at Jericho. The other one was Ruth. She was the mother of Obed. Ruth was from Moab. She was a Gentile also. These two Gentile women are in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. The physical bloodline of that right there. How about that? Amen. So... Rahab was the great-grandmother of David, and Ruth was the grandmother of David. So I want to talk to you today on this subject, kind of what I picked up on last week. Don't forget your dash. Don't forget your dash. All right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the wonderful living word of God. I thank you for everyone who's here. I'm thankful for all those watching online today. I pray, God, that your spirit would just permeate this place, that your word would let me speak the words that I need to speak. You know what every heart needs, so, God, you just let it come out of my mouth, just like manna. You just let the seed, the food, come out of my mouth, Lord, the words to feed each and every heart and soul what they need today, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I want to talk to you today about remembering your dash. Last week was Memorial Day weekend, and we talked about the dash. Last week, 
And the dash is found on the tombstone, the headstone. And it is between the time, the year of your birth and the year of your death, your departure from this life. All of us will die one day unless the Lord comes. I'm kind of hoping for that. I'd rather just do that. I'd rather the funeral director not have to see me in my glory. Amen. Hey, things bother me, amen. Just, you know, I'm just telling you. So, I'm hoping for the rapture that I'll just be changed. I mean, I'll just take one foot down here on earth and the next foot I'll be on a street of gold, Brother Bernie. I'll say hallow down here and hallelujah up there. But if not, we're all going to die and our body, our natural body is going to return back to the dust from which it came. And we talked last week about the dash, how important that dash is because everything that transpired in that life is hidden in that dash. And there was graduations and family reunions and vacations and trips. And and I want to spend some time today on the spiritual side of the dash. I want to talk to us today about living the dash to the fullest of our uh, possibilities and the fullest of what we can do, the fullest of our abilities. God has put each and every one of us on this earth with a plan. Not with our plan, but His plan. You know? I'm not here to do what Tracy wants to do. Believe me, I mean, if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I wouldn't be here. Would you be here if you, what what your plan was? None of you planned on being here. You know how many times we drove by this property for years? We never dreamed we'd be down here walking around preaching in it. Amen. You drove by here, and hey, you didn't think you'd be here. But here we are. Not only that, but some of us grew up and, and we heard about this Holy Spirit speaking in tongues and said, that's not for me. Ain't no way. And here you are. Congratulations. Amen. You made it. And you know what? If this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my whole existence is the baptism of the Holy Ghost in my life. And so I want to talk about, don't forget your dash today. Let's talk about Rahab for a minute. Rahab in Joshua chapter 2 verse 9, she uh, said to the men, now they sent in spies into the land of Jericho. They sent in 12 spies. Of those 12 spies, 10 came back and said, we can't do this. Only two said, we can do it. We are well able, they said. But you know how the crowd goes. They follow the other ten. And the other ten, can anybody mention the two that that said we are well able? Caleb and Joshua. And I always ask this question. I haven't found a church that I've preached about this yet that anybody knows. Can anybody name any of the, one of the ten that said we can't? Wow, that wasn't one of their word names. Ram, Ram Zimmerman. Do you know what kind of personality Brother Ram probably had? It was probably, oh my Lord. We named a boy after the name that meant warrior. We named a boy a warrior. 
And for the first five years, it was war. My Lord, Brother Marcus just about did us in. Wow. And so, we can't name any of the ten off the top of our heads because nobody likes to associate themselves or know about losers. Nobody wants to be in, in the company of unbelief. No, None of us want to do that. We want to be on the winning side, the positive side. So they, the, the men that came in... The, She said to the men, Rahab said, I know that the Lord hath given you this land and that your terror is fallen upon us. These people were scared to death that Israel was coming through because Israel had already walked through a Red Sea. They knew all about that and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. You see, if you realize, I could preach right there for two two weeks. If you realize what the devil really sees in you when he looks at you, if you realized how much the devil really was afraid of you winning and how much the devil was afraid of you overcoming, if you and I really knew how much we really have on the devil, and, and, and oh, come on now, somebody. I'm talking about the devil is scared to death of you. But we don't have time to be there today. All right, so the land was faint because of you. And for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Zion and Og. There's another name for you, Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. So this lady, Rahab, is telling us you guys have a reputation you guys, there's, there, we've already heard how bad you are. You are bad to the bone. Oh, I'm going to preach that sometime about hell being, it's bad. When hell knows you are bad to the bone. Don't be preaching that. I'm preaching that one. Just telling you out there in radio land right now. When hell knows you are bad to the bone. Now, and as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Let me tell you something. Sinners know God is in charge. But they will not tell you that. People know that God is in charge. But let me say this. You have to realize and we have to realize ourselves that we know God is in charge as well. And God can do anything he wants through us. Now, therefore, I pray, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. She wanted to be spared when they destroyed the city. This lady was a lady of ill repute. This lady had a reputation. She didn't exactly have the most uh, clean reputation in town. If you looked online and did a search of her, her life score may be uh, maybe a one if we got lucky. You see, it doesn't matter where you come from. What matters is, is where you're going. It doesn't matter what, uh, what happens in between as long as you keep winning battles. You don't have to win the war all at one time. Just keep winning battles. Amen? You just keep building your building. Brother Donnie, you're building your building. You're in the foundation. You're laying foundation right now. You, you see this foundation on this place? Isn't this a beautiful foundation here? You're looking at me like, 
I see carpet. I see lights. Some of you want to come up here and smell my water. What's he drinking? I don't see a foundation. You don't see the foundation. But the foundation is underneath holding up all the beautiful carpet and all the beautiful pews and all the beautiful flags and turning on all the beautiful lights and holding up all of us beautiful people that keep coming in here. You see, when you work on your foundation, you make it as strong as you possibly can so that whatever comes against it, no matter what storm comes, no matter what what tragedy may come, that foundation is still standing. And let me say this, when when an E5 tornado comes through a community, you know what's left standing? It's not the flags and it's not the pews and it's not the walls, but you can still go to the foundation and see where the foundation is. When they have a wild fire in California and all the houses are all burned up in the subdivision you can't see the beautiful executive homes anymore but you can go right to where the foundation is and it's still standing that's what God's doing in your life buddy right now he's laying that foundation and that foundation is going to get worked on and he's going to trial it out and he's going to work it and he's going to get his screed board and smooth it out why because God is building something in us he's working on that dash we're all working on our dash today. Amen. Amen. I've been in this almost 40 years. I can't even believe that. I just talked about my 39th birthday in first hour. I've been in this almost 40 years and I'm still working on my dash. I have to work on my dash every day. All of us do. Rahab is working on her her dash. She says, and that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, all sisters, all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered and uh, answered her, our life for yours. You saved our lives, honey. We're going to save your life. If if you not utter this, not this, our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Brothers and sisters, keep your word. Keep your word. In all your business dealings, keep your word. In all your life transactions on marketplace, keep your word. Amen. Amen. If they say you were the first one to contact it, keep your word and let us get there to get the stupid thing. I mean your treasure. Amen. Keep your word. My granddad used to say a man's only as good as his word. You know how many papers you have to sign and fill out to buy a house now? Thousands. Or at least it seems like it. Maybe not a thousand, maybe a hundred. You know what? Back in the day, it used to be a handshake. Handshake and let's go to the bank and the title company. You're done. It's all changed now. Keep your word. Deal honestly. They were dealing honest with her. And they said, if you don't tell our business, we're going to save your life. And the Bible says, I didn't put this on here, they let her, they, she let them down with a scarlet cord out of her house over the wall. And they said, listen, when we come to attack, you make sure that this scarlet cord is hanging outside the window. And we will save everybody that's in that house. You get everybody in your house that you want to save. 
Oh, that'll preach too. Man, there's lots of messages coming out of this today. You, if you want people saved, you gotta get them in your house. Get them, get in this house. You're gonna have to get in this house. Because when the tornado comes, if you're not in the house, you, it may snatch you up and carry you away. You've got to make sure you are in the house. Paul said in Acts chapter 28, I believe it was, except you abide in the ship, you shall all likewise perish. You gotta stay in the house. You gotta stay in the ship. Stay in the church. Don't leave the church. How the pastor turn out on me so fast? Stay in the church. Stay in church. You gotta be in church. You gotta have church. You gotta have a pastor. Amen. That's the way the Lord set it up. So that is Rahab. And Rahab did this. She took care of these spies. She let these spies escape. And when the spies came and when the armies of Israel came to destroy Jericho, they saved her and everyone in her house. I don't think that she was thinking about her dash. But today we look at her dash. And her dash was she finds herself in the lineage of our Lord and Savior. Can you believe that? A lady with a bad reputation finds herself in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how many times you failed. It doesn't matter how many times you strike out. Hey, Babe Ruth struck out as many times as he hit home runs. But he kept getting back up to the batter's box. Michael Jordan missed more winning shots than he made. He'll tell you that. But he kept trying to make them. You know what? You just keep trying every day. You just keep showing up every day. And God's got something for your dash. You know, we were, I was talking to Brother Maupin this week at camp. Bless all of you that went to camp this week. I was talking to Brother, Brother Maupin, and he said, just think about this. He said, our children will talk about us, and they'll have pictures. They'll pass the pictures on to the grandkids and the great-grandkids. He said, by the time our great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids come, come along, if the Lord tarries, we're just going to be names on a piece of paper. That hurt my feelings. I felt like I was more than that. A name on a piece of paper. So what are you saying today, Pastor? I'm saying that I'm working on a legacy. I'm saying that I'm working on building a legacy. I'm actually not building a legacy. I'm continuing a legacy. Because as I began to research this and began to look at my dash... I began to look at some things and and how in the world it all transpired and how it all came to pass. And so this, this woman, Rahab, was putting in her dash, that hyphen on her tombstone, that she helped some, some spies when Jericho was destroyed. Little did she know that she was in the plan and destiny of God to be in the bloodline of the Savior of the world. She did not know that. She just went on with her family. And and she met a guy named Boaz, and then it all kept on going from there. It's amazing how things begin to happen. And so then that leads us to Boaz and leads us to a lady named Ruth. Now, Ruth was a Moabite. Moab is in the modern country of Jordan today. I've been to Jordan. It's an Arab nation. Mount Nebo is actually in Jordan so when I went to Israel, the first place we flew into was Amman, Jordan, 
Have you ever heard in the Bible the, the, uh, the city of Ammon? That's Ammon. The city of Ammon in the Bible is the modern-day city of Ammon. And so I flew in there, and we went to Mount Nebo, and I got to stand kind of where they think Moses stood, and, and, and it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful part of the country and a part of the world. And on a clear day, you can see all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. And God told uh, Moses on Mount Nebo, he said, Everywhere you're, I'm going, everything you see, I'm going to give to the descendants, my children of Israel. I'm going to give to them from, from here all the way to the great sea and all through there. And so Ruth comes along, and she is from Moab. She's, from, she's a Gentile, and she marries into a family. And her family, her, her husband died. Her young husband died. She had a brother-in-law that was a a brother to her husband. He died. The father-in-law, the husband of Naomi, died. Death visited the family of Naomi and Ruth in a very distinct and very powerful way. And so... Naomi was originally from Bethlehem. She was getting ready to go back to Bethlehem, and she's going to leave her daughter-in-laws back there in her home, their home country. She's going to leave Orpha, O-R-P-H-A, maybe a cousin to Oprah. I don't know. We can do that genealogy later. And Ruth. And Verse 14 of Ruth says, And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Ruth kissed her and held on to her. Let me say this, brothers and sisters. If you've been married or are married, you know this. If you're not married yet, you'll find out sooner or later. You just don't marry that person. You get the whole package. You get the mother-in-law, the father-in-law, the whole family. Everybody say all. You get them all. You get them all. And, and women, men marry women hoping they won't change. And women marry men planning on changing them. Think about that. That's for a marriage seminar. You guys are getting so much today. You're just getting so much. And so they're here, and they're kissing each other, but Ruth is not letting go. And she said, Behold, uh, this is Naomi. Thy sister-in-law has gone back into her people and into her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. So Naomi is trying to tell Ruth, You need to go on back to what you're familiar with. She said, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to have a bunch of kids and, and you wait on them to grow up. I'm not even married now. I'm a widow. And, and I'm not going to be able to have any more children. Even if I got married today and had kids, you're going to wait for that person to grow up and marry him? Because at that time, you stayed in the family. Once you married into a family, you stayed in that family. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? And so Ruth says... 
Entreat me not to leave thee. Don't ask me to leave thee, for whether thou go uh, uh, or return from following after thee, where you go, I'm going to go. And where you lodge and stay, I'm going to stay. And your people shall be my people. And your God will be my God. Don't ask me to leave you, Naomi. What she didn't realize was, was she was working on her dash. She was working on that hyphen in her life. She just thinks she's going to leave Moab and go back to, and, and go into Israel. But she says, no, not only that, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. Where you live, I'm going to live. Your people are going to be my people, and your God will be my God. Wow. That's a pretty big statement. And where thou, listen, where you die, I'm going to die there. And where, and there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death put thee in, part thee in me. Wow. Ruth is working on something here. I talked to several people after church last Sunday. They said, we're doing a lot of thinking. I hope I'm causing you to think a little bit today as well. I tell you, I like pastoring people who have priorities straight. We all have priorities, you know, priorities. What's our priorities? Matthew 6, 33 is a priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's a priority. I knew that when I got the Holy Ghost, I I knew I just wouldn't be what you would call normal. You know what I'm saying? I knew that there was a calling, a deeper hunger in my life for the things of the Lord. And so I felt kind of like Ruth, where you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. Thy God shall be my God. You know, I told the Lord when he gave me the Holy Ghost all those years ago, I said, please, Lord, don't let me serve you easy. Please help me to, to be aggressive. Please help me, Lord, to serve after you and follow after you hard. I, f- I feel like, God, that I want to do, do more for you. I got a, a sense, a calling. And I think there's people here today that you have a sense and a calling of destiny on your lives. And you're saying, Lord, wherever you leave me, I'm going to go. And wherever you stay, I'll stay. And whatever you do, I'm going to stay. Now, here, here is Naomi and Ruth telling her all this. And she, she, she said this. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Verse 19, so they went until they came to Bethlehem. She left Moab and came to Bethlehem. You know what the name of Bethlehem is? means? Every Bible name has a meaning. Bethlehem, house of bread. She came to the house of bread. But not only was she at the house of bread, in time, she meets a guy named Boaz. And Boaz owns the fields. And Ruth would come behind and pick. The gleaners would leave some of the corners of the fields so the poor people could come and pick up the what was left of the grain to take home. Basically, it was taking care of your neighbor part of business. And one day... Boaz noticed who's that who's that girl over there 
well, that's Ruth. That's Naomi's daughter-in-law from Moab. And he said, really? Like Brother Linkoff, really? And he said, I'll tell you what you do. Leave some extra. Long story short, they got married. That's David's grandparents. King David's grandparents. A man after my own heart is what God said. You see, we don't know in everyday life what's happening in our lives. In everyday life, we're just going through the motions. And 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 years ago, man, years ago, I struggled. And, and I would say, oh, God, I just want to be in your will. Just pray for me. I'm in the will of God. Just pray for me that I'm in the will of God. And a family friend of ours by the name of Billy Cole said one time when he was teaching, he said, you know what, nine times out of ten every day you are in the will of God. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. But you know, our our lives, our lives, encounter interference. We encounter interference from our bloodlines. I hit on this last week. We encounter interference from our bloodlines because that scroll that was taken out of heaven, according to Psalm 139, and put in that body, that scroll is the days of, that are already recorded before we take our first breath. That scroll is the plan of God for our lives, and it's put in this body. But you see, our bodies, our bloodlines, our natural, our natural bloodlines are corrupted by sin and generational curses and iniquities. And so we encounter things in our lives. And I talked about this a little bit last week. I mentioned my great-grandfather, John Zimmerman, who ended up being buried in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Amy and I have good memories of Uniontown, Pennsylvania. We used to go goodwilling over there. Amen. But little did I realize that my great-grandfather is buried in a cemetery there because his wife is buried in Maryland at Mount Nebo Baptist Church Cemetery because back in the 1800s, adultery wasn't celebrated like it is now. See, adultery celebrated now is they make TV shows out of it and stuff like that. That's for another sermon. And so I come to find out that in my bloodline, in my, my father's bloodline, all the way up through, there's alcohol addiction and womanizing and infidelity. Now, maybe that's not in your bloodline, but, oh, man, I wish I, I, I would have put that video clip up. Maybe I'll do that sometime. But you know, the Joneses have, no, 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 I'm just saying. The Joneses, I'm just throwing them out there, along with the Browns and the Whites and the Purples and the Pastels. Each family has their own devil. Some family devils are divorce. The mom got divorced. The daughter got divorced. The other daughter got divorced. The aunts got divorced. The grandmas got divorced. You know what? There's a good chance there's divorce de- devil in that bloodline. How about this? In some bloodlines, there's a spirit of perversion and homosexuality. Oh, now I know it's quiet because I'm telling you the truth. 
because this one came out and then that one came out and to find out great grand or grandfather was like that too but he couldn't come out because you coming out in those days wasn't the right thing to do i'd say there's a spirit of homosexuality in that bloodline all bloodlines have some type of curse all bloodlines have some type of of situation in them that brings about the iniquity of the fathers because in deuteronomy Moses talked about it in several different occasions when he talked about that the transgressions and the iniquities of the fathers would visit to the third and fourth generations of the children. It's in the Word. And I've run into preachers that don't believe in it. And I said, well, you don't even believe what's in the Bible. Generational curses. You don't even believe in it. But you see, divorce is there. Alcoholism is there. Drug addiction is there. How about this one? Here's a strange one. If you watch the courts of heaven, you already heard this one. There were some curses where people die prematurely. People die early. Some family lines, people die before they're 55 or 60. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so our scrolls are put into this cursed bloodline. And so now there's a war between what the plan of God is on that scroll and what my scroll is inside of my body. And that's why there has to be somebody that has to deal with the dash. And there has to be somebody that has to deal with it and say, you know what? This is going to stop. And so uh, I didn't get the picture up there. I had a picture, but it, I didn't put it in the right format. So I wanted to send you what something about my uh, my grandparents here. Okay. Ginger had a picture of my grandmother and grandfather in like 1909 or 1918. And my grandmother looked like she had like an 18-inch waist. And, and the wisdom that came out of my mouth was, no wonder she had 11 kids. She was a hottie. I'm looking at a picture of my grandmother saying, my grandmother was hot. Because she did not look like I remember her. You know what? And when people look at our grandparents' pictures, or your grandparent, when your, your grandparent picture, they're going to say, whoa. You say, well, who was that in that picture? Well, that was your dad. And my dad had guns. I saw, my dad had big old guns on him and big old strong forearms. I'm like, holy smokes, what in the world? Time is treacherous to us. It, it is mean to us. Time is so mean to us. So I see this picture of my grandparents, and not, not realizing at that point, but my grandmother married into a bloodline that wasn't exactly what you would put in the who's who of, of maybe successful marriages. But there was something that happened. I want to read it to you. It is written in a, a book about a, a little Pentecostal church that started back in the 19, between the 1930s and the 1940s. Now, my, my grandparents lost their farm, their family farm, in, during the Great Depression. My dad used to say the best Christmas present they ever got was when a businessman in town came back from Florida and he brought oranges for all the kids. That was Christmas. I heard nothing about a PlayStation. Nothing about a Wii, nothing about Nintendo, whatever. Oranges. I, on, on our Facebook page, I, uh, Ginger put my dad's birthday was May 20th. And 
and there was a picture of him like he was in the eighth grade. I don't know if any of you saw that or not. But if you look closely, my dad was very embarrassed, and the kids all made fun of him at school because he said we were poor, and he said I always wore shirts that were either had holes in them or ripped. If you look in the eighth grade picture, there's he's got a shirt on that has about three holes in it. And I'm thinking, no wonder this guy would would fall into addiction if people are bullying him and making fun of him. If it's already a weakness in your bloodline, why not? And so I'm looking at a picture of my dad who's 10 years old. And I'm thinking, that's, that's my dad. Before I was even thought of. But he was working on his dash. But here's what happened. My grandmother... She was a praying lady. And it says this about them. During one revival with evangelist George Carlisle, who was a chant preacher. I'm not sure what chant means. Eli Roy, that's my granddad, and Elva, that's my grandmother. If any of my kids, like Macy, ever throws a fit, she gets called Elva. Go ahead, Elva. Go ahead, because... My grandmother was hot-headed. Eli Roy and Elva Zimmerman came from their Baptist church and received the Holy Ghost. Sister Elva said she will never forget the great teaching on the oneness of God and Jesus' name baptism. She said it was so clear and it really stuck with her. Brother Roy became a song leader for the congregation and was known to be quite fiery now this is the guy who dealt with alcoholism this is the guy who dealt with womanizing and lust this is the guy that had all of these kids ruled with an iron fist but you see there was a time when the dash was touched by the power of the Holy Ghost there was a time when their life was touched by the influence from another realm. Amen. It's so important for us to make sure that we can get to the other side whenever we can. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about not leaving here. I'm not talking about getting in a plane and going to Florida. I'm not talking about getting in a plane and going to Hawaii or Memphis or wherever you want to go. I'm talking about getting to the other side when you get alone in his presence. When we can get alone in his presence, when we can come into the house of the Lord and there's one of those services where we feel the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I like coming to church. I enjoy coming to church, even though it's my work day. I like coming to church and I really, I like coming to church and not doing nothing. I like to just let people talk to me and feed me. I always enjoy Danny. I don't ever know what Danny's going to say. I don't know if he's going to jump up on top of the chair and come up over the landscaping over here. I don't know if he's going to put the whiteboard here and make Carlita come up here and sit like Vanna White, you know. And she tries to go back. No, you just stay right there. That's that's what he tells you, you just stay right there. But you know what? That's feeding me. That's feeding my spirit. I'm hearing from the Lord. And so here we go. And she decided that she was going to break some curses in her life. She decided, my grandmother decided that she was going to break some things in her life and it wasn't ever going to happen again. And you see, my grandfather, when he was 60 years old, I believe, had a stroke. 
He had a stroke and he could not use his left side anymore and he could not talk anymore. But she had also prayed this. She said, Lord, whatever it takes to save Roy, I ask you to do it. I want to make sure that he makes it to heaven. Are you seeing what I'm saying? There are times when you got to deal with your dash and you got to start working on your dash. Now, let me tie this in and I'm almost done. I'm talking about a lineage. I'm talking about creating a legacy in your family. Some of you, your first, what we would call first generation Pentecostal. All right? Your first generation. What that means is your mom and dad weren't in it. Your grandparents weren't in it. So and so, you're the first. Here you are. You're starting a Holy Ghost apostolic legacy in your home. You see, I'm third generation. And I'm trying to continue that in my home as well. Because I want my dash to be full of the power of God. I want my home. I want people to be able to walk in my house for a total stranger. And they come in and they say, I don't know what it is, but I feel so peaceful in your house. I like that. We've had many people say that as they come through our doors. But my grandmother decided we're going to start a legacy. Now, there was a Zimmerman line of preachers. Okay? There's a Zimmerman line of preachers. I had Ginger put this together for me. There's Roy and Mary Liller. They pastor in New Jersey. There's Russell and Jeannie Liller. They pastor in Maryland. There's Tammy and Jay Allison Liller. They pastor in Iowa. There's Roger and, and Christy uh, Kisner. They pastor in Maryland. Bob and Louise Clear, Virginia. John Justice Patty Kitzmiller. Virginia, John, Jamie and Michael Constantine, Texas, Jeannie Kramer, Texas, Roger and Patty Zimmerman Sr., yep, he's the old dog, Maryland, Roger and Jolia Zimmerman Jr., West Virginia, Ginger Zimmerman, Vandalia, Illinois, Tracy and Amy Zimmerman, Vandalia, Illinois. What are you trying to say here, Pastor? What I'm trying to tell you is this, you can make a legacy in your family, starting today by dealing with your dash. Don't forget about your dash because you don't ever know what your dash is going to hold. You don't know what's going to happen. My grandmother didn't know what was going to happen. 99 grandkids and great-grandkids, that's what the tally was, at her funeral. Okay? Can you imagine having 99 cousins? It'd be like me coming to that and you're coming to that And I say to my mom and dad, who's that lady over there? Oh, that's Pat. Well, who's, who's, where? Oh, that's so-and-so's kid. Yeah, she lives in Michigan. Oh, okay. She's your cousin. Oh, okay. That's the first time we met. And I've been on the earth 20 years at that point. I didn't even know who they were. But what did she do? This legacy began to trickle down. Not only did they they were got the Holy Ghost in this little country church called Sang Run, which is in the hollows of, of Garrett County. They helped build a physical building there at Sang Run. Then they went to Oakland, Maryland, and they built another church. They helped build another church there. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about that Oakland church is still there. The Sang Run church is still there. I'm talking about 80 years ago, almost 90 years ago, God was putting together things in our in their lives, in my family tree. Hallelujah, that was combating the alcoholism and the womanizing. 
You see, you don't have to have a family tree that just has incarcerations in it. You don't have to have a family tree that just has suicide and death in it. You don't have to have a family tree that's just full of addictions and sadness and depression and loneliness and no hope. But you can have a, you can have a genealogy and you can start a legacy in your home that's Jesus' name, a legacy in your home that is full of the power of God in your life. Amen. And you see, God wants to do that. Let's all stand. God wants to do that, but all you got to do is keep your mind focused on the dash. It doesn't, it, that dash is made up of so, so many mornings. That dash is made up of so, so many lunches and evenings. Remember, 25,550 mornings in 70 years. 25,550. So the question is, what are we going to do with our dashes? Don't forget about your dash. And here's the irony of it, and I'm closing with this. The irony of it is this. My mom, who came out of the Lutheran church and got filled with the Holy Ghost. In the meantime, my dad stopped going to church. How about that? So my mom gets in, starts going to church, then my dad stops going to church. And this thing is so powerful that my mom continues it. My mom continues the, the legacy. And I've already talked about her and how all that transpired. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying don't take for granted any of your mornings. Don't take for granted any of your days because you don't know the decisions you make can affect generations to come. Amen? The decision that we make today can affect generations to come. I'm in it. I'm in it to win. I'm in it to win it. Anybody else? Anybody else in it to win it? I'm in it to win. I'm not, I don't want to just get in the the kingdom by the skin of my teeth. I want to march in there and hear him say, well done. Well done, old boy. Enter into the joy of the Lord now and forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus. I just magnify you today, Lord. I want to thank you for my lineage. God, David said in Psalms, he said, Yea, I have a godly heritage. And I want to thank you for that heritage today, Lord. That godly heritage that does not succumb to sin. That godly heritage that does not surrender and yield to sin. Oh Lord, we're not perfect. Lord, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, we've been we've had disappointments, we've had trials. But Lord, I just thank you today that Lord, I stand in victory and that God it's just one day at a time. It's just one morning at a time. It's just part of the dash at a time. And Lord, my great great grandchildren will only know my name on paper. Maybe they will see some picture and video images of me as technology preserves them now. But God, I do know this. I pray, Lord, that I will be anointed to continue the godly heritage that I have inherited from my generations before. And I pray for every family in this house today, every person, whether they be a single or married, whether they be young or old, grandparents, great-grandparents, fathers, mothers, Lord, I pray that you put an anointing on each of us to start that legacy, 
today in the name of Jesus. That legacy, Lord, of glory. That legacy, Lord, of power. That legacy, Lord, of that precious, precious name of Jesus flowing through our bloodlines. And we just thank you, Lord, and give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand, praise, would you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God.